Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Think It's a Classic podcast. I'm your host, Tannis Scale, and joining me is my co-host, John Brummer. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm pretty good, despite uh, the completely non-smooth, abrupt cut that I just did to the intro music there. But hey, folks, I'm doing this oh. live, so <laughs> go easy on me. I have not. Uh, the next show that I'm planning on going to, which is still up in the air, but most likely will happen is Interpol in about a month. John, we'll start with you. How did you discover this album? Or how did you first hear about I... it? Or Mr. Bungle in general, because I don't, I don't know that part. If you knew about them before I, uh... we lived together. This was not a, a this was this was your submission. Mm -hmm. um, this is not an album that has uh, been a major part of my life. Um, I my introduction to them was I my neighbor who um, he knew me as a drummer and he was older and you know I thought it was cool that he talked to me and I knew that he probably did drugs so I thought you know he was cool too you know <laughs> and uh <laughs> so he had and, i mean we'd talk about metal um you know like when my parents would have little like <clears throat> get togethers with the neighborhood and he was the only one in that area that and he, he wasn't like much older i was like you know 16 or 17 he's probably like 20 ish i mowed his lawn for his dad and blah 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 but he had he was into metal and he had the first Mr. Bungle album, and I thought that the cover was interesting on it. So I asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, it's the dude from Faith No More. And I was like, I like Faith No More. And literally, that's as far as it went. I never, for whatever reason, never actually checked it. I still have not listened to that album. I, um, it's very Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, pre-One Hot Minute. Or no, what's the other one? Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Like, it's very, very funk metal. I honestly don't think you'd like it at all. Probably not. I, <laughs> that, that's surprising because I thought that that was more of their like death metal stuff. Um, th that's what I always heard. Like I said, never listened to it. But any time that I heard it described, it always was described as more like the like what I um, knew Phantomas to be. Yeah, there was definitely like more of a metal influence than Red Hot Chili Peppers ever had, and. Um... But the first album, yeah, it was very funk metal, and I mean, it had its heavy parts, but it never went full on to, like, blast beats or an extended, you know, chugging metal riff or anything. It was more just sprinkled in there, like, at parts you wouldn't expect or whatever, you know. Uh, but And then they had more of that on their follow-up, Disco Volante, which is just a very strange avant-garde album with a lot that doesn't make much sense and the audio the recording is really muddy i love the hell out of it but if it's one of those it's one of those albums that if somebody said they couldn't stand i'd be like yeah i get it you know it's it's tough and yeah i i definitely i don't think i'd bring it up to this podcast you know and also i have not listened to that one the the uh the most experience i had with this album was when i would come out of my room at our old apartment and either you or zach or someone would be listening to it and i'd be like huh well i'm gonna go be a piece of trash around town you have fun with that and then i would leave 
Oh, it was definitely me. Uh, Zach was not into this. I actually, a couple of years ago, got a random message from Zach, uh, a pseudo-apology. Yep, yep, he just called himself out in the chat there, yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember he, he sent me a text or a message one time uh, a few years ago, a pseudo-apology saying, um, you know what, I finally listened to California, and I get it, and I'm sorry for not listening to this earlier. And I was just like, yes, yes. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm stoked that uh, he got into it, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about today's album. So um, this was the worst album I've ever heard. <laughs> I know that's not true. I know that's not true. <laughs> All right, let me go through the uh, the tracks. First one, worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, no, I, I Second song, it. worst song I've ever heard in a number two position on an album. <laughs> Third song, pretty good. But pretty good. The fourth song is okay. Fifth song, favorite song ever made. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, how did you how did you know that that's what I said about the fifth song on this album? <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I'm kind of serious. It's my favorite song in the album, and we'll get to it. But let's just get started here, John, before we delay any longer and talk about the first track, Sweet Charity. And uh, let's hear okay. a little bit of that right now. So this song is, I, I absolutely love it, and um, if you were familiar with their previous two albums, this song just serves as a complete departure from what you've been listening to this band do. Like, I really enjoy, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a Neil Diamond in the Tropics kind of vibe to it. You know what this reminded me of? What's that? Uh, have you played, you've played the later, like, Super Mario Kart games, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like like the the beach levels, or even like any time that you're playing a, like a Mario game, when he's on like a sandy area, that or like a beach type level, this is that the beginning of the the song is the same kind of music that's playing in the background, <laughs> um, and I just like every time I've listened to this, all I can think is is like. You know the start of the the beach level on Super Mario Kart, or uh, you know the just stuff like that. <laughs> no, I totally, I totally get it. Like, I, I want to be reactionary and just say no, but you're totally right. It does have, yeah. <laughs> like it, like like it's you're on the level select screen, and you're like, all right, yeah. let's let's choose what I'm gonna do here: motorcycles or just carts like normal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this was very Mario for me. I mean, at at a certain point, it obviously changes feel a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Although sometimes, I I, I have to give them credit for making this album in 1999. And I was even reading, um, I I mean, because, you know, every every time we do these albums, even if it's an album I'm familiar with, I still go through uh the wikipedias and whatever and look through interviews and stuff just to see if there's anything interesting that i missed about the uh the album or how it was received because usually 
when I'm consuming music, I'm consuming it in my own little world. I'm not generally paying that much attention unless it's something that's forced upon me, which means I generally am hating it. Um, but uh, so they they even they said that this album would have been a lot easier to make had Pro Tools been around, and Pro Tools really like popped up like shortly after, like the next year, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they had difficulty and... recording it. They were just trying to do it in their own practice space, and they were just like, "This is near impossible," because you know I think that was right around the time Mike Patton was incepting Ipecac Records. Um, you had Trevor Dunn. Um, and who's part of Fontamas? That project was always also probably forming at the time. Then you had um, Trace Spruance on guitar, who was a member of the Secret Chiefs Three, and they were about to put out their most ambitious project to date, or up to that point, Book M. So I mean, all these people in this band had a lot going on at the time. On top of the fact they were all pretty much still getting along, but tired of doing Mr. Bungle. Like they knew they that they were kind of done after this album and probably a couple of tours, you know. Yeah. Um and so yeah, that's why that's why I believe it was recorded kind of fragmented with a lot of people doing things at different studios with different studio staff, different engineers, and so it was a lot that had to get pieced together with uh what was it, a couple of dat machines and two 24 track reel to reels. Is what I got here. Well, and, and the fact that it does, I mean, it actually ends up sounding really good. And it, it, even though, you know, it's weird as fuck, it, um, it does, it, you know, it holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, I mean, like, I, I have a lot of experience nowadays, uh, with working with, you know, uh, DAWs or digital, digital audio workshops or workstations. Um, you know, recording music myself, and I couldn't imagine, you know, nowadays this shit's easy. I, I mean, I I probably wouldn't be able to put together an album of this quality, but I could definitely put together, you know, stuff that doesn't seem to make sense and whatever um, pretty easily nowadays. I couldn't imagine doing it back in the days where it was mostly, uh, uh, you know, pieced together by hand. Yeah, that just kind of blows my mind. It makes me uh, think of hearing Jimmy Kimmel once talk about working in the in the radio when he started at the radio station that event that kind of trained him up to being a a host for ben, Win Ben Stein's money, and then anything after that, you know, just he kind of just kept on climbing the ladder. But I mean, he would start yeah. out at that radio show, and he was talking about like, oh yeah, I was like cutting reel to reel tape and splicing it together and doing edits that way, and I was just like. You know, I'm that's just past or that's just before my generation. So that just yeah, that's totally foreign to me. I couldn't imagine because ever since I uh was an adult, I could just hop on fruity loops and piece together things that way. And <laughs> you know, I mean Yeah. It well and, and even with, you know, Audacity, there's free programs, but these guys were having to actual literally cut tape. I, I couldn't even I would be so anxious, you know, because what if you screw it up? I mean, the, you know, to get a little bit off topic here, um, Crass did that in the late 70s, and they did it so well that there's actually a recording that they had with, I think, Margaret Thatcher uh, and Richard Nixon that was completely fabricated by them 
by them and they actually fooled people into believing that it was real um <laughs> but yeah it just this kind of stuff just blows my mind that's cool um, i'm glad i'm but, glad to hear you yeah. appreciate the behind the scenes like just complication of this album because it's something that yeah it's it just kind of makes me love this more you know well and and the other thing that I, that i mean kind of pisses me off about this album and it's not them or the the quality of the album what pisses me off is that there was a lot of copycats that came afterwards and you know essentially new metal was you know becoming a thing around this time and instead of you know going hey you know, here's something that's weird and we're going to be weird about it they just went like the awful weird way like and and you know they they saw you know the band dressing up weird at shows and so that you know that became part of the fashion to have your fucking you know uh uh i didn't i don't want to say dreaded but what what the hell is it where they would um braid up the hair you know like uh oh yeah in silly um, directions like the old yeah, system of a yeah. down press photos or something exactly yeah and uh you know give you know really weird looks while you were playing and none of it really translated into the music. Like, yeah, about like the, the only music dudes just that got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, the only dudes that kind of emulated that kind of thing, and I felt like nailed it on the head, um, were System of a Down. Yeah, and I agree, and and I that was why System is the only band out of that era that I ever liked, or you know, especially still do. I remember reading in an old Guitar World, um, at, you know, 99-ish, 2000-ish, and, <laughs> you know, I was super into new metal, and they're talking to one of the guitarists from Korn, and, um, you know, in, in guitar magazines, they'd have layouts of different chords used in songs, and, you know, they'd have the tunings of what everybody did, and, you know, it was cool for a kid learning guitar and getting into this whole new world of musicianship and yeah. Um, anyway, they 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 had this chord diagram printed with a thing that uh, I think it was head Brian Welch. Yeah, I think it was that one. Yeah. And he was uh, say <laughs> that guy. That one, not James Monkey Schaffer. Don't ask me why that information is still in my head. Uh, no, but he had the Mister. It was called the Mister Bungle Chord, and it was like this really cool, odd sounding chord that they used on the first album quite a bit and Horn kind of yeah. integrated it into their music. And once I knew what it was, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that does kind of give them their sound. Like, and that was cool of them to take it from something that, you know, isn't, you know, for all of the faults of the career of the band Corn and how I just don't care to listen to that band. They were pretty damn original from the time. And they had lots of influences that they kind of did new things with. And Mr. Bungle well, being I, one I, of them. I will say, I will say that the uh, the first album, I mean, I, I had the first two albums, and I really dug those when I was in middle school and early high school. I'd still listen um, to them if I could find instrumental versions, because I, I don't... Yeah, the Jonathan Dave. I mean, because it, it's funny, you know, it, when I was 12, I wanted to see them more than probably any band of the time. And uh, now that I'm almost 37, especially like, in the last few years, I've seen them twice. And the whole time Oof. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> why? Why? I mean, like, the, there's parts of the music where I'm like, yeah, you know, this could be cool, but I, I'm like, Jonathan Davis, you are at least ten years older than me. 
we don't need to hear you complain anymore. Like we did, you know, it's, it's done. It's over with, uh, <laughs> you, you don't have any enemies anymore. Why, where are these enemies coming from that you keep singing incessantly about? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I anything totally else feel to you. say about sweet charity? Um, I think it's grand and gorgeous and possibly the prettiest Mr. Bungle song. It really stands and out possibly. from every, and possibly and not po- him. No, 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 no. I was going to say, and possibly the basis for all Mario games. <laughs> Shut up. Why don't you go ride a rainbow road? Right, <laughs> right, right, right off the edge and don't hit the shortcut. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the next track. The second track off of Mr. Bungles, California. And, uh, this is a little number called None of Them Knew They Were Robots, and uh, we'll hear a little bit of that right now. So what was your first impression of this song? I'd be interested to hear. The first part of it was actually more what I was expecting the album to sound like. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I do like where it goes, where there's some rockabilly, there's some jazz. Um, I feel like this is a little bit more coherent than Sweet Charity. And I, I really liked it. And, and I like Patton's vocal work on it. I mean, he's that Patton has always straddled the line between really annoying me and really impressing me. That seems to be Um, a a lot, you know, what a lot of people feel about him. And that's an understandable viewpoint. Well, and, and the, the reason is, is because I know that because of him, that's where a lot of rap came into metal. And that's where a lot of the, you know, like those kind of sounds came in, you know, that there probably wouldn't be a down with the sickness if it wasn't. I, I know, I know. We'll touch on that later, but I have a, a good excuse for my Mr. Bungle's that thing at the end. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But no, I totally get what you're saying. But to the benefit, y- you know, I don't really care for this band anymore. They bore the hell out of me. They don't offend me, though. But Incubus, like that guy brandon boyd has got a really nice voice and that is a dude singing like mike Patton. if i've ever heard a dude trying to sing like mike Patton, like in in the most restrained Patton, like angel dust era about when he's actually like singing yeah 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 and and, i mean i've never been a big fan of incubus there's a couple of songs that i it's kind of funny when you know now that you've brought up uh incubus um I used to think that they were one of the worst bands I ever heard. And then I heard everything that came out after 1998. And I was like, oh, you know what? They're actually not that bad. <laughs> like, yeah, they're the, just the, fine. The that, they're just whatever to me. You yeah, know? They're, the, the, the Creeds and the Nickelbacks and the Disturbeds and the, uh, what, oh, the uh, Five Finger Death Punches. Those all were way worse than Incubus. And yeah. By retrospection, I actually was like, hey, you know what? There's actually a couple of Incubus songs I like, and uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on them. Yeah, they're definitely not the worst band ever. Like, 
And their first yeah. two, uh, the first album and their first or second, you know, release the EP Enjoy Incubus are complete like, holy shit, we loved the first Mr. Bungle album kind of takes. Like they are just yeah, funk metal, well, go- goofy funk metal to the max. Yeah, and and see, I definitely didn't like that because I'm not a fan of the funk metal. But no, I don't blame um, you. To get back on to topic, I, I, I don't want it to sound like I didn't like the song. I did like it. It's an interesting tune. It's it it's it's got a nice flow to it, and I do like how they've taken old sounds and made them new again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like saying like some of that psychobilly influence and you know, kind of making it chug along as a as like a a piece of, you know, a metal riff. I almost said a piece of yeah, metal. Yeah, and it sounds, it makes it sound fresh. Um, and I, it kind I of has that, like, it kind of almost has that, like, kind of, like, swing feel to it at times, which was, yeah, like, a yeah, genre that kind of jazzy. felt a little revival yeah. around this time. So I feel like kind of co-opting that with a lyric about how people are just kind of mindless robots, I thought that was pretty good. Like, because a lot of this album is very just commenting on very much a commentary on postmodern America and the downfall of humanity as we know it through various different means. Uh, this one, yeah. I feel like being, you know, um, it's kind of talking about the, like the automation of life from everything from the common task to the, to nature, to religion, to the vanity. And I don't know. It's just, there's so much going on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I absolutely um, love this song. I, I think it's a blast. I think it's just very well put together. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun tune. It is indeed. Wow, this is great. All right, we're two for two so far with John. This is... Oh, man. Just wait until we get to the next song. I thought... It... Oh, you're going to be in... You're going to be in for a shocker. <laughs> I, th- I thought this would be like a session of me begging on my knees to... Like, just please find something you like. Please. No, I, I, I mean, this isn't going to be something that gets in my top spins, but I'm pleasantly surprised. Also, the the thing that I find funny now that I'm looking at my my computer screen and reminded of the fact that this is under the pop category in my Apple Music. Where else? I don't know where else you'd put this. I don't either, but it's definitely it's definitely not pop music. I mean, even just if we're going for the technical term of it, you know, pop music being short for popular music, this wasn't very popular. Oh, yeah, but it's more of a song structure descriptor because there's lots of artists that don't make a splash that are making pop music, but they might only sell 1,200, you know, songs on iTunes before they hang it up and call it quits. Well, yeah, no, 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 and I, I get that, too. What I, I mean, I'm just saying, even if we're going by the strict, like, actual, like... Because isn't the alternative, isn't the alternative label kind of dead nowadays? Like, you know, it's not really, it doesn't exist. It's just kind of, like, rock, hip-hop, electronica, pop, dance, R&B, uh, country. Well, I think, I mean... There's no alternative <laughs> section on Spotify, I don't think. No, there is. There definitely is. Oh, well, I guess I'm not looking it's things not... up by genres, but <laughs> it's it's not a dead term because you know they need to, especially since alternative music has technically gone more in the pop genre. Uh, a lot of it is you know very electronic nowadays. 
Um, like the new there, back there isn't a lot of guitars. Uh, yeah, kind of like the new back. Uh, but you know, a lot of the bands that are coming out are you know almost more like electronic pop than they are alternative. But it's not. It's still not straight up top forty. Gotcha. But. You know, so but even even you know if we're looking at it like you know pop is to 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 describe top forty music, I would not say almost any of these songs fit into that. That I I would have just put you know alternative or, I mean, if they were really stuck for a, a genre, maybe hard rock. Um, <laughs> like, hard rock. I, no, not even. There's 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 less well, hard I mean, rock on this thing than anything it, else. Not, none of it none of it makes any sense well i think like, there's zach in chat here i think he hit it kind of nailed it on the head of the genre this sits in uh he called it a avant-garde mario kart lounge electro core and i think that kind of you know <laughs> is a good yeah. good nice concise descriptor I, I would say that but i mean like even when i said like i mean when i said hard rock it was like a hard rock like i don't know I, I just I it's still making me laugh that this is it says pop. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But anyway, uh, anyway let's go to the to say about none of them knew they were robots. No, I have nothing else to say about that song. Okay. Besides, it's a good song. But um, it's all right. making me feel good. <laughs> all right, let's go into the third track on California and. Hear a bit of retro vertigo. This song is a beast, huh? What do you what tell me what you oh. think of Retro Vertigo, John? This is the worst song I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> now, this is my favorite song on the album. This is this is a beautiful song. This is the one that's definitely gotten the most listens to from me. I love how on a weird album where everything, you know, that nothing seems to fit into place this is really out of place because it's i mean it's definitely the most structured song it's definitely the most catchiest song um and you know this one doesn't fall it, it doesn't have any weird things coming out of nowhere it's just a straight up song and it's awesome i love it yeah it's really i just love how it just erupts into the finish that it does it's one of the most epic things that Ah, in, in music, just out of anything that I like, like if I had to make a top 10 epic moments and shit Tannis likes, it would, Retro Vertigo, the end of that song would be right up there because I just think it's so fucking grand and beautiful. And uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I, this song also, like, it was one of the only songs when I was younger that I really grabbed on to the lyrics of. And it really, mm -hmm. like, 
I never realized how much this was the case, but this really kind of informed me to just do my own thing and be my own person because just like the 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 cynical take it had on nostalgia co- culture like is it fashion or disease like like I just I don't know it just it, it just always it spoke to me and I guess I never realized how much but I was just like holy shit I've always loved this song and I always loved what these lyrics meant but I never realized that that informed a bunch of kind of who I am and how I've handled myself and you know yeah. never 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 just grabbed onto some nostalgic fashion trend I've always just been my own whatever and I've always liked that and uh, that's yeah embarrassing yeah, and makes me dork. yeah I feel all vulnerable and nerdy now saying that I want to edit it out but I won't the the song was the first one to to tell you to be your own person. You didn't get that from all the Limp Biscuit you were listening to in later high school years or early high school years. Well, I did. You know, those lyrics spoke to me too. <laughs> it was mainly the Limp Biscuit song "Nobody Loves Me," and then I realized I could yeah. fix that if I stopped listening to Limp Biscuit. Yeah, it's uh, that's usually a good plan. And then everybody liked me more when that happened. Yeah. Oh, oh, I I know I definitely did. <laughs> oh man. I remember that sad day of getting rid of like my uh five limp biscuit shirts because I did have one for every day of the school week. <laughs> I remember putting them in that pile and just being like end of an era Tannis, end of an era. <laughs> I remember the uh you were you were two years younger, or two, two grades, right? Correct. And I remember, because I had met you when I was in eighth grade, and you were in sixth grade. Yeah. And you seemed really, really, like, wide-eyed and interested in music and whatever. And I was like, ah, that kid's funny. And I don't think I really ever, I saw you a few more times after that, and then, like, a couple of years went by, and I never saw you again. Yeah. Until, until the it was like the first day of my junior year and you came walking into the cafeteria into parker hall (sighs) (laughs) and i was like hey it's that kid that i thought was what the fuck and i looked at his shirt and he's wearing a lip biscuit is greater than everyone limp biscuit is better than everyone whatever it was it was stupid So yeah, that that sparked re-sparked a friendship that has lasted what like seventeen years now. But I was just trying to find weird music back then. Like the weirdest thing that I had found up to that point was Sepultura, and it was like, can you believe this band has songs in Portuguese? When it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're from Brazil, dumb shit. Of course they would. Like, but that was like really exotic to me. So like finding this weird mash of like you know, hip-hop and rap, something that I had never really, you know, I had never gotten into Helmet or Body Count or I'm trying to think of any of those, any weird predecessors that may have come across my path. I don't know. To me, I just saw their press photos and it looked like a bunch of dirty guys with one weird-looking guitarist. And it was, they had a stupid name and they and they had all these stupid names for their songs and it just sounded really pissed off. So I just super got into it, like, because it was all I had. And then I met you and Zach, and all of a sudden this whole world of other weird shit was opened up to me, and I was like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Like, 
Yeah. Yes, I've graduated on. Like, okay. Well, that's that's why, you know, I think we were destined to meet. Yeah, and I remember being introduced to sleep with telling uh uh our buddy um you know, you know the big sideburns guy that we used to hang out with, you know, that was like a year older than you, who's into all you the know, music I and think, stuff. Hey, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I think we can get away with using first names. Oh, yeah, Phil. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, we're not talking about anything but music still with him. So, Phil, please don't sue us. Gosh. Um, no, but uh, Phil, I was talking to him like, I want to get into more like slow metal. Like, is there any like slow metal? Like, you know, like kind of like Sepultura's roots, but there's more going on. And he's like, oh, you should check out this. Check this out. This is a band called Sleep. They're basically like a Black Sabbath kind of thing. And I was like, wait, people still make music that kind of sounds like Black Sabbath. Are you are you serious? I didn't know that was a thing that I could get into, like. Because I, I loved Black Sabbath, you know, that was something that's been a part of my life since middle school, like, that was one of the first bands I decided to like on my own, and one of the few bonding experiences that me and my father had, I borrowed Paranoid from a neighbor, and I was blasting that in my room, and all of a sudden he just burst into my room, and I was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble, and he was just like, are you listening to Black Sabbath? He's like, this is, this is Paranoid, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, and he's just like, that's awesome! I didn't know you liked Black Set. Like, and it was like, oh yeah, I just got into it. Yeah, I saw them live, and yeah, it was pretty good memory. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good time. Yeah, my dad was—he got lucky, man. He saw the very last Black Sabbath tour with Ozzy back in the day, which was Van Halen's first big world tour. He had pictures from it and oh, shit. Wow. Like, yeah, he was at one of those shows. It was pretty, pretty rad. Lucky guy to get oh, to see crazy. that. But um. Yeah, Zach is uh, likening my experience to when uh, he told his mom he loves Loretta Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, hey, what? Oh, shit, are you serious? Let's talk about this. That's badass, Zach. That's badass. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to say about Retro Vertigo? Like, I don't know, about anybody that may have covered this song or anything? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I, I discovered in doing this that I had most likely heard this song before because, um, the Adventure Sevenfold covered this on their most re on a deluxe edition of their most recent album. And it, I think it's a good version. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty good too. I'm not, um, an Avenged Sevenfold guy like you are, but I was kind of wondering, like, what are they going to do here? Are they going to bring in some weird synths? But I thought it was really cool. They just went straight forward with it and did the opening keyboard line with guitar. <clears throat> well, the the thing about them is, is that it, they're another band that was, you wouldn't think so because, you know, even though, like, I am a fan of that band, I understand that they, you know, appeal to the bro crowd a lot. And, and a lot uh People have given me a lot of weird looks and weird uh, reactions when I've told them. Because, I, I I mean, I recent, I just, it was over the last few years, um, as I realized this was a band I could get into with my son, that I really started giving them a chance. Um, and before that, I really didn't care for them. But I, I started looking past the, the bro-core kind of, you know, sentiments and the, the fact that they get lumped in and tour with bands like uh, Five Finger Death Punch and and shit like that. Um, but and well, and 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 they dress like Good Charlotte half the time. <laughs> and they dress like Good Charlotte, although I lots mean, of eyeliners and backwards hat pictures I've seen from those dudes. That's all I'm gonna say. 
when when me and my son saw them last, uh, M Shadows came out in a Vandals. Um, God, I can't even remember what the album was, but it was one of the earlier Vandals albums. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Avril Lavigne wearing a Ramon shirt once too. So that's kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah, you know what? You can fucking <laughs> eat a dick, okay? <laughs> anyway, so oh boy, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't give a shit who wears Ramon. I'm kidding. I I'm kidding. love the Ramones to the day I die. And that you should. Has meant, has meant so much to me. Yeah. I, I can't say the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know that, but I mean, even as Zach, me and Zach had a lot of bonding moments over over the Ramones. Yeah, if it's something I would have gotten into when I was younger, I could see myself liking it more, but the first punk band I discovered was, like, early Black Flag, and so that was my shit, like, the pre-Rollins first four years CD, and... yeah. Just for me, yeah. though, it was like a thing of like, oh, I, li I listen to this punk rock shit to be like angry and sing about beard or whatever. And I, I don't want to listen. I'm not trying to hear harmonies. I can listen See, to the Beach Boys I, for I, that. That's, that's, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about them. And in fact, there's a great video with uh, um, Steve Albini where he's explaining how he got into the Ramones and... I mean, it's it's pretty much, you know, on par. You know, at first it seems like a funny thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this is genius. No, and... no, it is. I'm not trying to knock the Ramones. I just know you yeah. hold them in high reverence, and they were in just... They, I, I, they, they were just never a it, band it, that it, I did. It but it I, get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It makes me sad that, you know, same thing with Motorhead or uh, Slayer that you know these bands have become a fashion statement for people who have no idea how great that music is yeah no i feel you they they are definitely one of those bands but that's what happens when you make such a kick-ass iconic logo i mean that shit's gonna yeah happen. it's it's true and all those bands are guilty of that yeah <clears throat> well I just wish that, you know, the, the people that were wearing the shirts would actually listen to the bands. See, Lemmy, but yeah, you, you fucked up. You screwed us all, Lemmy. You made that logo way too cool. Why didn't you have, like, the Motorhead logo just be like a teddy bear missing an eye or something? like? Although, I, I have to admit, um, I, I've never owned a Motorhead t-shirt just because it's like, you know, you everyone and their fucking mother has a motorhead t-shirt you know they're like oh i want to you know show people that i like rock music oh i've heard the name motorhead before that looks cool um and but i did when when i was at the warp tour i bought a less than jake shirt that was modeled after and they had their little jake logo <laughs> that was made into uh what, what uh what that uh uh what was the what, what was the skull all checkered with a green mohawk and a nose ring? No, no, no. I'll I'll have to take a picture of it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. But it, it's <laughs> I it, I thought it was a clever reworking of the the classic shirt. But uh, let's move on to the next song. All right, so let's hear a little bit of the next song. Uh, and uh, here's a bit of the air conditioned nightmare.
So, um, this is the first Mr. Bungle song I ever heard. Yeah. Um, and it was Although, yeah. and it was totally influenced by that Guitar World article that I was uh, talking about earlier, and I uh-huh. my mind was blown when I downloaded this off of Napster because <laughs> this was like <laughs> yeah, aged myself a little there. Uh, but yeah, this blew my mind because it was anything but metal influenced. It sounded like a, the most warped and best Beach Boys song I had ever heard, and I fell in love right away. I was going to say, you literally just said, you know, if I want to hear harmony, I can listen to the Beach Boys. And then the next song is harmonies, sounds exactly like the Beach Boys. <laughs> Come on, Tannis, get your shit together. <laughs> I was just saying compared to Black Flag. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a blanket statement. You're just, you're jealous again. <laughs> I am jealous all the time. Why I can't, can't do it. I can't do anything without being yelled at. <laughs> okay, Psycho Mico. <laughs> Want me to get you a Pepsi? <laughs> All right. But, um, yeah, what did you think of the air conditioned nightmare? This one I'm kind of thinking might have slipped for you a little bit. Am no, I, am I, I correct? I love this one. Oh, I love this one. Cool. Yeah. And the reason why I, I mean, <sighs> I thought that, uh, because, you know, obviously I'm not very familiar with this album, but there was a, uh, band that came onto my radar in the last few years that um, had a song on one of their greater albums that is very similar to this, and that was uh, Toothpick and Claw by Avatar off of uh, their awesome um, All of a uh, Sudden, now I can't fucking remember what it's uh, called. Feather... Fe- uh, I, know, I know what album you're talking about. Fe- fe- fle- feathers and Flesh, yeah. Feathers and Flesh, um, yes, yes. Yeah, and I I thought that 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 was probably going to be the only like well done version of the although there theirs is definitely a lot heavier more metal. Um, but when I heard this, I was like, oh, now I get where they got that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I and I just love it's one of those songs that it's it's just a beautiful summery little tune. You know, you want to hang out at the beach and listen to this, but the whole song's basically about abusing medication to the point of suicide. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I actually, you know, speaking of the Beach Boys reference, I, I wrote down in my notes, the only thing I have written for this song is, this sounds like the Beach Boys in hell. Yeah, hey, there you go, that's perfect. I Yeah, I think that that's a perfect description of this track, and especially uh, now that you're talking about the... Um, it, you, what what did you say it was about um dr- uh, drug overdosing uh medication abuse to the point of suicide like ah. i always pictured this was a dude in a hospital like much like the character in the metallica song one but ah, yes. he has way more of an insanely oh. positive outlook <laughs> he's like okay well they've unbandaged my face and you know what the only way out's death, and I'm okay with that. I see the rainbows now. I'm ready to go. I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna finish this off and go away now. There's my halo. There we go. I'm in heaven now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just always thought that was a very dark song, and it was really, I don't know, great, great juxtaposition on their part. Um, do you have anything else to say about the air-conditioned nightmare before we get off on another tangent that has nothing to do with this song? Nah, no, let's let's just keep moving. Alright, <laughs> and uh, let's get back 
track number five off of Mr. Bungles, California, Ars Moriendi. Let's just hear a little piece of that before we talk about it. Now, this is hands down my favorite song on this album. Um, Ars Moriendi is Latin for the art of dying. So um, with that being said, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the lyrical content is about. It's very on the nose for what they titled it. Um, John, what do you think of this song? It's it's okay. I mean, I like the feel of it. I like the fact that, you know, they're incorporating like arabic sounds and uh like that norteño kind of like a mexican polka yeah um it it has it has an interesting feel to it but uh i I, most of the time when i was listening to this stuff i was listening in my car while i was working so i didn't get a chance to really study the lyrics but i mean this sounds like it's all foreign anyway right um, no, not totally. There's some oh. English. And um, I don't know, I can't remember offhand if it's... Uh, let me just look it up. If it's Latin or um, Spanish or Italian that he's singing in. But I can just pull that up here really quick. Yeah, okay, yeah, there are... Um, yeah, Latin. With a but uh yeah it's mostly English. He's just speaking with in such a charactery voice that it's you know it sounds foreign. I wonder. I mean, is there actual live footage of them doing stuff off this tour? Yes, actually. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Um, one of the only things that there is is there's um some individual songs from an indoor theater, but there's this open air festival. I can just bring it up and let me just. Whoop! That was a <laughs> the bizarre festival that seemed to take place in I think the Netherlands in two thousand. And oh, yes, okay. there's footage of yeah they have the entire set up on it's about forty minutes long the entire set is up on YouTube and they do have this song live and it's pretty amazing to see all these dudes do this song live. Um, they even have an alternate version of a song from the first album called My Ass is on Fire that is just a supreme version of that song. It's completely different. It's almost Californiaized, like if they were to re-record it for this album. So it took it away from just being kind of a straight-up, goofy, funk, ska metal song to this to something that would totally fit in with the weird environment that this album is putting off. Yeah. This, this zombie well, of California dreaming because... that's happening. <laughs> Some of this stuff, I mean, it had to have been really hard off live and without the um, the same kind of samplers that we are privy to nowadays, it had to be a little bit more difficult. And so it's it's actually really surprising that you're saying that it sounded really good. Yeah, I mean, everybody involved with this band is a fucking virtuoso, man. Like, I, I you know... In, Lots of fans of Mike Patton and the surrounding world of musicians that, you know, the six degrees of Mike Patton or whatever you want to call it. 
we get really nerdy about lauding the praises of all these musicians uh, but every single member of mr bungle like the, the core five that recorded this album along with william winant who is doing uh, a lot of the percussion live and he does it on this mm. video that i'm looking at right now um they're just they're fucking virtuosos it's just one of those things where you see them do these songs together and it's like oh yeah they it's 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 just I don't know. There's something special about when you notice that a team of people just knows what they're doing every single step of the complicated way, you know? Well, and, and you know, I, 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 you know, was saying nothing about them being virtuosos or whatever. It just, it now, you know, especially nowadays, it's so easy just to have everything on a backing track and, you know, on a computer off, off stage and someone hits play and then the clicks track starts in their ears and, you know, essentially, they're just playing along with the backing tracks of the songs. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot of bands nowadays. They come out with four people, and it sounds just like the CD because they're they've gotten so used to playing to the click tracks with the backing tracks on them that also have backing vocals. And so they're it's it, so it's it's just interesting to me how they pulled it off. I'm gonna have to watch that after we get done with this. Yeah, no, you know, everybody except for the drummer the bassist and the guitarist are all kind of pulling double duty on percussionists they got they got a main percussionist then they have two keyboards two keyboardists that are also doing some percussion stuff and then you got mike Patton, who has a little keyboard set up in front of him who is also shaking maracas and or whatever every now and then i mean they really they make it work dude it's it's fascinating mm. and and you know uh, Patton does do some, like his whole little workstation that he always has in front of him live i mean that does have sampling equipment on it and I think, like, for yeah. more of the, some of the more electronic stings, especially in this song, he's doing that with his own little, you know, ah, just push a button to make it go whoop, 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 or whatever, you know? Yeah. But it's definitely not just, okay, and here's this accordion and violin sound just sampled out. No, it's the keyboardist playing those. Ah, I see. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. And I just love this song. I love how complicated it is. And it includes so many musical styles that are kind of, you know, not necessarily American or mainstream that I've, like, grown to like. Like, I really like Norteño, like that Mexican polka stuff. A lot of people find it pretty grating and annoying, but it's one of those radio stations that I honestly click over in my car every now and then to cruise around to. Like, I, I really yeah. enjoy that stuff. You, and, you know, speaking of that, sometimes because... Uh, I mean, really, all I the, what we have here, you know, I, in my car, I have the ability to play my phone. I have XM radio, but when I take one of the company cars out, that only gets terrestrial radio. Around here, we have a classic rock station. We have a hard rock station. We have sixty-five country stations. There recently was a. Uh, uh, it used to be like Jack FM, which was all like a variety top forty station. And that was gifted to the college. And so that's actually become like an indie thing, which I was listening to the other day by chance because uh, I had a company vehicle and uh, had to run out and do something, came back. And on the way back, they were actually playing a, a song off the new Daughters album. And I was like, no fucking way. That's crazy. Um, Good for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's actually a pretty cool station, but. Other than that, there's times when I have to take the, uh, if, like, if I'm out of the Eau Claire area and I have to take a, a company vehicle down to, like, La Crosse or Madison or whatever, there's times that I will just let it on the static. I'll just leave it on the static because I'm so sick and tired of 
whatever choices I have. Yeah, no, man, you need you need a you need a Norteño station up there, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I don't know. I love I'm, that shit. I'm but... sure I can get. I'm sure I can get it on XM. But um, do you have anything else to say about this song, Ars Moriendi? Oh, Zach in chat um had a question. He said, "Is this where Secret Chiefs Three was born?" Uh, oh, pardon me. Secret Chiefs Three, of course, uh, su- uh, main project of Mr. Bungo guitarist Trey Spruance, and at the time was also. It, also included uh, Danny Heifetz, who's the drummer of Mr. Bungle, and Trey Dunn, or sorry, Trevor Dunn, who is uh, the bassist. And um, no, Zach, uh, Mr. Or Secret Chiefs 3 started putting out stuff in 1997, uh, kind of right after Disco Volante era, uh, Mr. Bungle. Like, I think it was, they took a break in between Disco Volante and California, and he had a bunch of time to make those first two Secret Chiefs. Secret Chiefs three albums, but I definitely do think that um, since Book M was such a change from those first two albums, I definitely think that Modern Secret Chiefs three was born with this song. So thank you for bringing that up and letting me nerd out with that little bit. I appreciate it, Zach. Yeah, I did want to touch on that when talking about this song, so I appreciate the reminder. Anyway, uh, you have anything else to say about Ars Moriendi, John? Nope, I do not. Let's move on to the next song before I get on another tangent. all right and uh let's get going and hear a little bit of pink cigarette What did you think of this one, John? I liked it. This reminded me a lot of like uh, "Nobody's Baby Now" by Nick Cave. Um, it had that that kind of swing feel that Nick Cave interjects into some of those songs that he did in that style. Um, but obviously, in Patton and Mr. Bungle's fashion, this is a definitely more weirded out version of. I think it's great that you said that because, you know, the exact note that I have about the vocal styling uh, of this song is it's Nick Cave by way of Brian Wilson with the backup <laughs> vocals, you know, and not not yeah. not the main singing part, but like, yeah, the backup. Yeah, that's <laughs> we thought the exact same thing. Uh, Zach refers to this song as film noir bliss, and I couldn't agree more. It has it's just this creepy love ballad that for me kind of conjures feelings of like. David Lynch and his, you know, music partner with Twin Peaks, uh, Angelo Badalamente. Like, it very much has that kind of vibe to me. Like, I wouldn't feel out of place if a Twin Peaks episode had Pink Cigarette by Mr. Bungle in it. Which is kind of cool, considering I know that definitely that was an influence for Mike Patton. Because on Fantomas' second album, The Director's Cut, one of the covers they do is of the theme song from the Twin Peaks film Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. I, I I can definitely see this being in a black and white weird David Lynchian kind of movie or clip or whatever. 
And um, yeah, these lyrics are crazy and dark, and you think it's this beautiful ballad of lost love, but it seems like this dude's able to count down the exact hours about when this person's going to find come home and find that he's killed himself because they've left. So I'm kind of thinking, I was wondering, did this guy kill himself after his wife went to work? And he's just some crazy guy that's just like, oh, she's gone, I can't stand it for another eight hours, so I just can't, I'm done. <laughs> because he's he's counting down at the end there, you know, and it's like, how do you know how many hours until she finds you? I don't know. Oh, Zach is telling me something kind of cool here. You can sync this movie with David Lynch's Mulholland Drive for a crazy Dark Side of Oz experience. Oh, he's bullshitting. I, yeah, See, man, you, you got me all excited like that was something, because you were the one that, Zach, you were the one that introduced me to the Jupiter Beyond the Infinite and Pink Floyd's Echoes thing, so you can't try to trick me with shit like that. I'll believe you, because it worked that time so well. Well, he, I, I think Asshole. Zach created the whole, you know, uh, Jupiter and the Infinite Beyond syncing up with Echoes thing just so he could impress me. <laughs> I think he was trying to get me to sleep with him. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> Only 400 times. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, real quick off subject. Do you guys still have that born slippy, comfortably numb remix that you did back in whatever? Because that was the I best thing ever. We, Zach did that? We, no, no, we found it. That that was something we found on the internet. Oh, I thought that was something you guys made. Never mind. Then. Oh, no. Whatever, who cares? Do you have anything else to say about Pink Cigarette, John? No, I do not. It's a good song. Well, excellent. Let's go now to the second Mr. Bungle song I ever heard. Um, and hear a little bit of Golem 2, the Bionic Vapor Boy. So this is a weird little number, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah, um, yeah. this is the second song that I heard. So, I mean, this back-to-back with Air Conditioned Nightmare only got me more interested in this band because it was just like, okay, with these two songs, why the hell are all these new metal bands that I like influenced by this? It only piqued my interest more. And I think it's neat, but I find it to be kind of annoying now. It might See? be my... Least favorite song on the album. I don't know, but I go back and forth because it's so different and cool sounding, and it's uh, I don't. I just don't know. I don't. I can't put my finger on how I feel about this song at the end. Of this I don't like. Even one of my notes is IDK. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I I think that you'll be very surprised by this. I actually really like stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of um, there. Did, did you ever listen to Ariel Pink's uh, "Pom Pom"? No. Uh, you might not like it, but I would suggest listening to it. There's a song on there called "Dinosaur Care Bears," which is very, very similar to this, and. Um, 
this also really reminds me of actually probably uh did you ever listen to todd rundgren's uh a wizard a true star yeah um track 10 on there just another onion head dot dot dolly is very much like this and i loved that song um i mean i love that whole album really but this was actually probably one of the more the moments that i think you thought i was going to hate honestly and, yeah uh, quite quite the opposite this is i love weird tunes like this especially when they're like electronic like this one is and it fits kind of perfectly with the theme of the lyrics or at least the way i interpret them where it's i feel like it's kind of this you know another postmodern expression of talking about people building their own messiahs rather than waiting for them rather than what rather than waiting for them oh yeah why wait when you can just build a messiah you know what i mean he does this he does that he'll do this and that hey look what we got going on here we're all <laughs> saved but yeah i don't know it's it's good i don't think it's bad but i don't know it just if i'm ever listening to this album this one is most likely to get skipped yeah i mean i i understand it's definitely not it's definitely doesn't have i mean it really doesn't have a lot of structure to it it's the weirdest song on the album yeah i get it i do i do really I, appreciate um the transition from pink cigarette where it ends with the heartbeat monitor going flat and then all of a sudden this song starts with something being cranked back up like the last song ends with death and this song ends up yeah. with the starting up of a a machine a form of life in the context of this song so yeah i thought that was pretty yeah pretty interesting it's a very cool transition yeah i mean it's no ashes of american flags to heavy metal drummer but that's true because that's probably one of the greatest transitions of all time yeah it's kind of what i compare everything else to <laughs> when it comes down to cool Although, transitions still, really the the best transition is uh bringing the boys back home into comfortably numb i mean you're never going to top that yeah maybe the best days of our lives into another brick in the wall part two but we all know how we're tired of that song yeah but no i mean the the, the way that it goes into i think we got up, i think we got an idea for a list <laughs> i remember well, uh, that one best transitions yeah best track well, to track transitions you already know what our favorite <laughs> is gave away. yeah <laughs> um yeah zach's basically yeah. saying yeah pretty much all plink floyd transitions and it's like yeah it's hard to argue with that <laughs> that's true i mean they were that was probably one of the best things that they were the best at you know except for i thought it was weird during shine on you crazy diamonds part two and three how there's just a random fart noise but <laughs> you do you roger waters you do you <laughs> uh, i was gonna uh, say uh the, a couple of weeks ago because it's been a while since we talked so i haven't been able to make this joke to you mm -hmm. but uh i i knew that you were gonna bring up um I was going to bring up how I'd been listening, you know, a lot to that, that new daughter's album. And, uh, there was one song in particular, and I can't remember even what it was now, but I was going to say, my favorite part of the song is when the lady comes in and she says, turn right onto highway 63 for four miles. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's anyway. move on to the Holy film. Yeah, this, this will be a, a short little review of this song, I believe. And uh, we'll hear a little bit of The Holy Filaments. Lord, 
I think this song is pretty cool, but part of me thinks it kind of almost just serves as a little vehicle for Patton to sing in, like, every little different pretty voice that he has. Yeah, um, I can see that. I mean, it's it's got a nice arrangement, and I I put into my notes, uh, would fit well in the soundtrack to an epic movie scene, but now that I'm listening to it again, uh, I think it would be more like like a maybe some twisted cowboys in hell movie or something. It, it would fit pretty perfect there. That, oh, like Pantera? That, uh, no, 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 not cowboys from hell. Cowboy, oh. like a, a western in set in hell. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. Like that, that's that's a little bit different than Pantera. You know. I'm yeah. talking about action boys. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, this song's neat. I don't know. This is a pretty cool dive into what I consider Mr. Vungle's Disco Volante territory, the previous album. This sounds kind of like something that you'd find more on that album, and I've always felt that way. And then uh, researching this, come to find out that this is a Trevor Dunn song, and he wrote all the chord progression for this during the Disco Volante recording sessions and just never did anything with it. So there we go. I see. It's, it's, it's always fun when you have a feeling about something and then you find out that you were, your feeling was like 100% on point. And... Yeah, it's always nice to know when you're right. I, I know that. You know that what? You cut out there. I said I know that feeling a lot. Ah, yeah. I know what it's like to be right is what I'm saying. You know what it's like to be alt-right. Oh, politics, politics, right. buzzwords, snowflakes. <laughs> All right. That's about as political as we'll get on this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, right. But um, yeah, you want to go? Uh, let's just move on to the next song and hear a bit of Vanity Fair. Yes. All right. And uh, yep, here's a piece of that. You know, it's up between this and Retro Vertigo on what's my second favorite song on this album, but I just absolutely love this song. It's one of those songs that if I ever go out and karaoke, I'll, I know I'll never find it, but the fucking day I do, oh, I'm going to be so happy. But um, <laughs> The day I do, I'm going to make everyone leave from performing this horribly. <laughs> yep, because <laughs> I'm going to try to do the background vocals at the same time. <laughs> it's just going to be a big old mush. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Yeah, it's a killer sounding doo wop song. It's just yeah, I, I fun as hell. Doo wop on acid. Yeah, like, perfect. I, I this one I had to go back a couple of times because I was like, it sounds like he's saying I I finally made it. I'm finally naked. I'm finally naked. And then I went back a couple of times and I was like, yep, he's saying I'm finally naked. <laughs> I wonder if that's kind of like another allegory or another kind of another statement in line with him um, evoking flagellants, you know, the people that would whip themselves in the streets on the back to appease God, you know, 
taken the brunt yeah. of the sinners, you know, by unleashing the wrath upon themselves. And that's kind of what this song is about, is, like, comparing plastic surgery to that kind of religious self-harm as a way of kind of appeasing the superficial gods of modern culture. Yeah. And, um, yeah, maybe that naked line is kind of like, you know, the shame of exposing yourself to God and <laughs> kind of like yeah, how, si- how I... sin was started, you know, and then all of a sudden Adam and Eve were like, oh, no, we got to put leaves over our dicks now. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I like how you said Eve, Eve had a dick. That's what I'm saying. That's what the snake, re- snake represented. <laughs> she was just like, eat this apple out of my dick. <laughs> yeah. oh, good times, good times. Uh, Zach is correcting you and saying one of the one of the songs or one of the lyrics at the end there is "I I'm elated, elated." Like beyond. Yeah, but he happy. does say I'm finally naked. He does. He does say I'm finally naked. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just love Vanity Fair. It's one of those songs that if I was trying to get somebody into this album, I think I might pick this one. Yeah, because you're fucking crazy. Either this or Retro I Vertigo. Like failure. <laughs> well, hey, man, enjoy the their cover of "Enjoy the Silence" is great. No, Wait, no failure joke. Did... No, you oh, said if, if, I like I failure, and I said, Jesus, come on. Man. I get it. That's actually one of my favorite covers of all time. I'm sorry, I'm slow on the. Uh, <laughs> and another one of my favorite the... colors is "Magnified" by Caven, which is a failure cover. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next song, and we'll hear a bit, little bit of the last track on Mr. Bungle's California. This is the epic closer, Goodbye Sober Day. How'd you feel about this song? What was your uh, the last track of the album? Everything's gone it's good so okay. far. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I um, because we were, you know, we have been talking about doing this episode for a few weeks now, and just now getting to it. Uh, I thought that I had less time to um, take down my notes than I did, mm-hmm. and I ran out of uh, time essentially right on this last song. Um, and then I forgot to go back and actually write something down about it. So, yeah, I don't really have much to say. I didn't, I guess I just really didn't have much to say about it. It's, it's, uh, a closer. Um, I think that, you know, in comparison to the other albums we've done, this is not as good of a closer as, you know, some other albums that we have listened to. Oh, um, I would disagree wholeheartedly. Well, then, I mean, I we'll guess this is when we fucking duke it out, you little let's, bitch. Let's fucking duke it out, then, you big bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I always like you this song. You call me little bitch one more time, and or 14 or 15 more times, and I'm out of here. I don't know. This song, it just... The, control, the whole controlled chaos of this album, I feel, just erupts throughout this song um 
Like, it's got that weird kind of exotica loungy piano line going on through most of it, along with the horn section. And then it hits that really weird kind of middle part that has digitized vocals and weird heavy metal crashes. And then it just ends with this crazy um, kind of... It's it's the Ketchak chant, which I guess is some sort of ritual chant to kind of ward off natural disasters or... And I don't, I can't remember, I should have taken the note of exactly what culture does this or how it was originated. Yeah, that whole thing at the end, going over the metal riff, um, goes back into the chorus one more time. And then we just end with a bunch of a gong and a bunch of chaotic noise. And I just, it's like the world is finished along with this band's career. Like it was just boom, dead and done. And I don't know. I just, that's why I liked it. It was just absolute. There was no fade out. It was very much a literal explosion of sound. And then we're done. And I guess that's why I thought it was a really great closer. And I mean, it's, I didn't hate it. I liked it. Um, It's, this just didn't have the same impact on me. Because, you know, to be fair, I've been listening to it for the week. Yeah, I guess um, I haven't been listening to this for the last 20 years, really. Um, or close to 20 years. Yeah, it will be 20 years old this year, huh? Oh, man. Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah. You there? Uh-oh. Yeah? You hear me? <laughs> no. That was weird. I can hear you. I'm just fucking with you. Oh, jerk. You, you took a long pause after I said 20 years, and I, oh. It's because it blew my mind realizing that, like, oh, yeah, this turns 20 this year. So that's kind of nuts to me. It blew, uh, you did cut out, uh, it blew your mind doing what? It blew my mind that it was 20, this album is 20 years old this year. Yeah, that means that we've known each other. For 22? Fuck. Something like that. Yeah, since around 97 or something. That's blowing my mind. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but um, yeah, goodbye sober day. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about it? Because I kind of don't. We did want to touch about, like, this is the perfect example of the the influence of Mike Patton that's gone awry, because I kind of feel like if there was never this song, there might have never been an, you know, that's, I mean, it does have a lot of those new metal touches in there. Um, but, I mean, he was doing the, the you know, a lot of the weird vocal stuff, you know, the, the sounds that aren't really words or whatever. Uh, so I wouldn't put, put the, the, the blame solely on this album or this track. I wouldn't um, either, but, I, you know, it's just very, very, very clear. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like listening to Cavens until your heart stops and hearing some of that riffage and thinking of all the crappy bands that got spawned because of that album. But then like, yeah. well, it's it's not it's not Cavens fault somebody did something boring with this. So that I mean that's that's <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Before I even looked over at Chack, I just mentioned until your heart stops, Zach, a couple minutes ago it had a point it had just pointed out how until your heart stops is twenty years old. Yeah. Yeah, which is nuts uh... to me. There's a great article about it on Vice's uh, The Shape of Punk series they've been doing that they just released the other day that you should go read. Okay. I have a feeling that might be an album that'll come up um, during our run with this show. (laughs) I'm sure it will. And, 
Also, the uh, the fun time when we both uh, got to see them together for the first time, and I do not remember a fucking thing about it. So well, at least yay. you didn't. At least you didn't fall asleep during Kill Sadie. Uh, that's true. All right, oh man, about that show, I remember um, that. I was just so not in the know about music that when Thrones was playing, I honestly thought some drunk dude got up there with a bass and started fucking with people's equipment, and they were just like, yeah, just let this guy go for a while. I didn't realize <laughs> that it was like a dude who makes actual music. And <laughs> it's fucking Joe Preston from the Melvins. I mean, he's a really nice guy. I met him once. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, so, well, I, so all in all, was it a happy experience for you listening to Mr. Bungles California? Yeah, it's an enjoyable album. I I liked it. I, I you know I kind of wish I hadn't shied away from it for so long. Um, I'd probably have say about it had I been more familiar with it. But I mean, this I didn't hate this. So that's great. Good job. But thanks. Well, yeah, we're on the uh, the subject of that. I'm excited. I'm excited. You kind of uh, you kind of warned me when I brought this up. You're like, ooh, I got one for you after that. And I am ready to hear what you have in store for me. Yes, because you have opened up the wormhole and I'm just going to start throwing up all. You know, my my favorite albums, my loves, my my babies that I don't bring out that often, but this album has made its way back into a uh, pretty steady stream of listening lately. And this was an album that I grew up, you know, listening to, loved it. I don't think I know a single person my age who loves this album as much as I do. Um, I know when I would throw these guys on in the car, that it was pretty much like instantly getting yelled at from the back seats to turn it off. Um, the album we will be doing next week is Abacab by Genesis. All right. Yeah? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't, I know that I, I, you know, I, I can't say that I was part of that. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever hated on Genesis. So that was probably other friends of ours. So no, no, I'm actually really excited about this. I want to see how uh, I am too. How I'm I feel about it. Now, is this is this Peter Gabriel Genesis or is this Phil Collins no, Genesis? This is, this is Phil Collins before Phil Collins became Phil Collins. Yeah, back this when he was like, I think middle finger flipping drummer, that that Phil Collins. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, this is. I mean, he's singing on this. Uh, Peter Gabriel has left by this point. Hey, Zach is pissed. Um, by the way, is... he just wrote "boo" in chat. Yeah, the, I, I figured. <laughs> I figured I'd piss somebody off with this one. <laughs> I th this album, it's it's one of the when I say before Phil Collins became Phil Collins, I'm talking about before Phil Collins became the oddest pop hero of all time, you know, when he was releasing uh, Susudio and all of that fucking terrible garbage. This is one gotcha. of the last great albums that they, this band did. And I, 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 I'm going to nerd out like a motherfucker because really 
Yeah, there is a nerd that is living inside me. He gets super excited at nerdy prog, prog rock like this. And this isn't even like, you know, at this point, I don't, I don't even know what to call this because it's not exactly prog, but it's not the pop that, that Phil Collins was peddling as a solo act. It was kind of an in-between. Yeah. I will like... Um, so. Well, that, that's pretty cool, and that's a great, that serves as a great counterpart to Mr. Bungle's California, because I, yeah, I've never given that album a listen or the time of day, so it'll be a completely new experience for me this time. Yeah, and I, I that's why I was like, moo, ha, 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 talk that one day, because I knew that this was going to be something that you had never heard. That's true, and Abacab, of course spelled A-B-A-C-A-B, um, as Zach is pointing out, um, the album is titled um, as a tribute to the Blood Code from Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> uh, that was something that I would get pointed out to me, like whenever my friends saw my copy of this album. <laughs> um, well, I, I remember there was a there was a friend I had in like sixth grade, um, and I was like, you know, because I from the time I was a little kid, it was always. I make friend. I go, hey, have you heard of this music? They go, no. And then we don't talk about anything else because we don't have anything in common. You know, like, so I, you know, I had this friend in, in middle school and I was like, have you ever listened to Genesis Abacab? And he's like, isn't that the Mortal Kombat code? And I'm like, no, but, uh, <laughs> so. Oh, uh, poor, I poor young John. To, yeah, I look forward to uh, hearing what you have to think about this album. Hell yeah. Well, excellent, John. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you on next week's episode. And from me and from John, we wish you all a good night and goodbye. Goodbye.